Hey everyone, thanks for joining us. I'm Greg DeVries, pastor at the Well Scottsboro, and I'm grateful that you've decided to listen to this podcast. I hope that this word uplifts you and encourages you wherever you are. Stay with me for a few moments after the sermon. I would like to pray with you. I trust you'll be blessed by the word of God. I shared a couple weeks ago on Sunday morning uh, when I shared about uh, uh, Elisha and the Shumanite woman and the little boy and the restoration. And by this time next year, you'll have a son and restores the one back to life after he passed away. And But I gave a, a, an interlude. I gave a, a, a scripture, a passage as a scripture of introduction to show you that it was in the New Testament, that the woman of Nain, and remember she was carrying out in a funeral and she was going out the city gate. Jesus was coming in the city gate, and it's in Luke chapter 7. I want you to return there with me to Luke chapter 7. I want you to see something here. I feel like the Lord has pointed out to me, the Lord has uh, spoken to me and encouraged me to uh, share with you uh, tonight, and I'm doing this pretty much uh, laying a foundation or setting uh, a standard or to putting a principle out in front of us. Uh, this is who we are. This is what's going to happen. And I'm going to call some things out uh, here tonight. So, Lord, I ask that as I uh, minister the word tonight that you give me grace to do it, Lord, and that you'd anoint me. And I pray that we'd have ear to hear, that we would listen, that the word would get into us, and that we would receive uh, the word of God. And I ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. In verse 11, it said, now it happened. We want to be a part of a church of something that's happening, amen? It said, now it happened the day after that he went into a city called Nain, and many of his disciples went with them, okay? So here's the first thing that I feel like the Lord is highlighting off of this passage of Scripture. He went into the city. It didn't say they came to the church, said they went he went into the city we have got to go into the city we and and we do but we don't do it enough we do but we're going to do it more okay we have got to have a city heart when we took over the plaza and i was walking the gentleman through the plaza and we're in that corner room there with the, all the windows, the eight-foot-tall windows in there. And it looked out into the parking lot, and he said, whose office is this going to be? And I said, oh, no, this is, our, this is our conference room. This is where we make all of our decisions. And the reason we're using this room, because when we're making our decisions of what we're going to do, we can see the city. And while we're in here making, the cities, uh, making decisions about the city, the city can see us. We're destined to go into the city. We want to see an awakening in the city. I am not, listen to me, I am not interested solely or merely in a revival in a church. I'm not. Let me tell you something about revival. This might sound a little coarse here, but this is reality. Revival takes care of what you didn't take care of. Repentance. If you repent of your sins, you won't need revival. You get refreshing. If you repent of your sins, now you're positioned for his glory. And that's what's coming next is the glory of God. Not another manifested move of God, but the glory of God. The only need of revival is those who aren't taking care of what's making them dead. Bottom line. And, I, and I'm not in any way slamming. I celebrate. I rejoice. And where there's a need of revival, there's a need of revival. I celebrate that. But we can go ahead and move with the word of God. Jesus never needed a revival. I'm all for and celebrate revival. But here's what I heard recently. I don't even know who said it. It might have been one of you. 
But I heard this recently, and I would not want to take the credit for it. I would want to, but I'm not going to. If you're seeking revival, you'll get performance. If you're seeking God, you'll get revival. We need to be seeking God. Amen? So we need to be going into the city. I want to see an awakening. I've seen numerous revivals that impact people's lives, but they haven't changed cities. We want to change a city. We're going to get to more of that in just a second. So underline that or write it somewhere. They went into a city. So we need to go into a city. And it said, and many of his disciples went with him. There's a lot of people who attend church, but don't go anywhere with Jesus. I want to encourage you to pray about and ask the Lord to be discipled. Now, I left that kind of vague there to be discipled, not ask him to disciple you or for you to get discipled. Because I don't know exactly how he's going to do it. But if you ask for it, he'll do it. He will find a way to do it. I've said it numerous times here. J38 is not the only way to get discipled. It is a great way. It is a wonderful way. It is a God-given, God-called way. Bottom line, we see the fruit and the results of it. School of ministry, the same thing. But it doesn't have to be done by just one way. Are you with me? Uh, by just one uh, a design there. There's many ways to be discipled. Ask him. Why is that important? Because if we're going into the city, we're going to go according to the word of God, preach the gospel, and make disciples. But if we haven't been made disciples, we can't make disciples. Amen? So there's a need to be discipled. The ones who followed Jesus that made an impact and made a difference were not the multitudes. Many multitudes sat under the miracles of Jesus. And so without them, the miracles may not have been as big as they were or as, as powerful as they became. But the reality is the disciples were the ones who followed him and were used by him. Amen? He's, listen to me, friends. He's going to use disciples. He's going to use disciples. So highlight that. Now, I can see some of you. Uh, I can see some of you going, oh, your head spinning on the inside, going here and there. Have ear to hear, not a brain to think. Not a brain to think. Have an ear to hear. Are you with me? What's the best thing? What's the good thing about discipleship? Is that you adhere to the teachings of Jesus. It's what you do. I've met numerous people in my life, being that we're called. That's one of the callings on Gretchen's in my life is to disciple people. And numerous people have moved from different locations, whether they come to a school like this or the other things that we've done at different times. And what I find is a lot of them show up. They want to do what we do. But they don't want to be who we are. Not be Greg DeVries, but be disciplined to have a personal prayer life, to be disciplined to have a fasted lifestyle, to be disciplined to... You can go on down the line. You follow what I'm saying? Discipleship is going to get you stronger and more disciplined so that you're not tossed to and fro, waved here and there. It's not going to make you perfect. It's not going to make you fully complete. It's going to help you. It's going to help you. Amen? So he goes on and he says, it says about it, and, and a large crowd, he went with him, and a large crowd. And when he came near the gate of the city, behold. So he comes to the gate of the city, and there's something that as I'm reading the scripture, the Lord is just highlighting, and I've been speaking to the staff lately, that we must know our gate. 
Now, if you understand Jerusalem, you understand it's symbolic, you understand it's like the, the people of God, there's four, there's, there's Christian, there's a Christian district in Jerusalem, there's a Muslim district, uh, there is a, uh, 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 a Jewish district, and there's a, uh, somebody help me, somebody help me. Say it again. Armenian, thank you. There's an Armenian district in, in Jerusalem. But throughout Jerusalem, there's gates all the way around the city. And the gates have a name, and they had a purpose throughout the years. And, and the, the purposes don't remain as much now as they did back then. Like one was the dung gate. That would be your plumbing. That would be your bathroom, in essence. That's where they took it, and they took it all out, and they, they threw it out. There was different reasons what could come in and what couldn't come in, what could go out and what couldn't go out. That gate had some, some restrictions, but it had some, some liberties in the midst, okay? It had a function. We need to find out, as the church that we are, as the gatekeepers that we are, what is our function? What is our responsibility as a church? Now, you will overlap and use all the gates, and all the gates will intertwine uh, uh, with one another, but you have a specific, kind of like the fivefold. Now, are you more apostolic than you are teacher? Are you less teacher than you are evangelist? You get the picture. There's going to be different areas and functions. It's kind of like a marriage. The husband is no greater than the wife, and the wife is no lesser than the husband, but they both have responsibilities. And when the wife tries to, tries to do the husband's responsibilities in the kingdom, it ain't going to work. And when the husband, you get what I'm saying. So there's responsibilities in a marriage. There's responsibilities, and the Word of God teaches us to do those responsibilities, and that's the way God designed it. So what is this church? What is our main role and responsibility? Discipleship is one of them. That is what we do, discipleship. I think for the area that we're in, I think worship is one of our things. Intercession is one of our things. I think that would be true at every gate. Well, how can you say it? I thought you said every gate's different. Every gate have hinges. Every gate has locks. Every gate has a breadth, has a depth, has a length, has a height. There's some things that are going to be the same in different places. I want to take you to Ezekiel chapter 43 with me for just a second. Ezekiel chapter 43, very, very interesting passage of scripture. I kind of was on one of those journeys. I felt like the Lord was telling me to go to Ezekiel 47. And on the way to Ezekiel 47, I happened to stop because I felt a stoplight from the Lord, just to use that as an expression, to read right there. And so he's saying, you can't, Ezekiel 47 really won't be fulfilled in your life if you don't get Ezekiel 43 right. You need to have that as a focus. Now, I was going there because I was not going, listen to me, I was not going to Ezekiel 37. Why? Because I didn't want to hear the song rattle again. No, I'm just kidding. Because I'm already enlisted. I'm not in a tomb. You are not in a dead church. So you don't need to look for what dead churches or dead campuses are experiencing. You need to celebrate what they're doing, but you're not in a dead church. I'm not trying to protect anything whatsoever. But there's no sense to go suck on a helium balloon when you already have oxygen. There's just no sense. The reality is, if you haven't gotten enlisted yet to that great army, I would encourage you to do that. Well, how do I get enlisted to that? Understand the prophetic flow of what is happening. Understand what God is speaking. 
That's what Ezekiel did. Some of y'all just, you're all messed up because your world and your life is somewhere else instead of here. You're thinking about your spiritual realm by what somebody else is doing instead of what God is doing. And you will not experience what God is doing. And if you don't experience what God is doing, you're not going to do what God is doing. And you will live like I see majority of Christians live, unsatisfied, disgruntled, disappointed, discouraged, and not realizing God doesn't change. God does not change. I'll say it again just to, just to help you. I celebrate revival, but I'm here to tell you there's four phases of revival. Some are ankle deep, some are knee deep, some are waist deep, and some are doggy paddle deep. The goal is to get to the middle of the river where God is. And what does he say? Then he says, go right back through the four of them again and get on the shore and win souls. That's Ezekiel 47. We don't need Ezekiel 37. (sighs) Wake up, church. Wake up, church. He needs a church to go win souls. Ezekiel 43, listen to me. Afterward, he brought me to the gate. The gate, when I read that, something just gripped me. There's a specific about that gate. He said he brought me to the gate. Well, which gate? The gate, and it describes what that gate does. We need to have understanding of where we are and what is happening here. A gate in historical, ancient historical times, a gate was usually the place where most of the marketplace took place. You would think it'd be in the middle somewhere. No, it was in, at the gates where they would exchange. Because why? People would be bringing things import and export. So they met at the gate. It's where the council took place. It's where they discussed things. So we should know what's happening at the gate. And if you don't know which gate, you won't be at the right council. You follow what I'm saying? And so what is God calling us to? What is God stirring us to? What is God trying to uh, prepare us for? He brought me to the gate, the gate that faces toward the east. And behold, remember the woman from name? And behold, name, behold, the glory of God of Israel came from the way of the east. We are here. If you go back four years ago, I preached it over and over again to pray for rain in the latter rain. It makes no sense to pray for something that's already happening. Why would you pray for rain in the rain? Because you're positioned. The key thing about a gate is it's positioned. It's positioned for what's coming in and for what's going out. God wants to put his glory in this house and he wants to send his glory out of this house. That's what he wants to do. That's the gate aspects, the gate of glory. We have been standing before 2020, but when 2020 came, it really refreshed things in my heart is that the latter days, we have promises. We will get to the other side because we have promises that that we're not going to fail and and shut down and and close down and and fold up because he's going to fill his house with glory. Glory. But if the gate for glory is not working... If it ain't open, it might leak in a little bit. It might rattle the gate a little bit, but we got to know how to work it. Part of that thing of, hey, we're on a song. We're on a phrase in a song. We're on these specific words. We're on a certain key that flows the gate open. And it allows that to come in, allows that to go out, allows that to, to interchange import and export in the kingdom. Are you with me? 
So in verse 40, in chapter 43, it goes back and it says, it's the glory of God came from the way of these. His voice was like the sound of many waters. Let me tell you something about the voice and the sound of many waters, okay? This is very important for you to understand. You and I have this mindset, that's what God's voice would sound like. God is saying, no, uh, uh, to hear the, the, the uh, no great joy, but the voice of the bridegroom. What's the voice of the bridegroom? The bride and the groom. I'm the bride, he's the groom. He wants his voice coming off of your voice. Your belly is filled with rivers of living water. Not a cesspool of past experiences. But inside of you is a river spring up, oh well, of living waters. And his voice is going to be like our voices being as like his voice. When you're prophesying, when you're preaching, when you're testifying, when you're witnessing, when you're singing songs that come out of the barrel of your heart that is flowing out of, when your intercession is coming out, it's going to sound like the voice of many rushing waters. That water's in you. Where'd you get that water? When you went ankle, knee, waist, doggy paddle deep. You met God. Because in the midst, Psalm 46, in the midst of the river is God. It's when you go into the heavenlies and you go through all the dark and all the spiritual warfare and you get in the glories of God and you're in his presence like the third heaven and you start to get revelations, you start to get visions and you come down and you're preaching different, you're singing different, you're praying different. That's that voice of many rushing waters. We're the reflection. We're the result. We are the extension of who the one is who's sitting in heaven. And that's why the post shakes sometimes. Because the thunder comes and the cloud comes. Why? He's bringing you water. Why are they staying on that song? Because he's putting power in you. It was like the appearance of a vision which I saw. It was like the appearance of a vision, which I saw. There are things that we've already seen that will bear witness to the things we're going to see. For this purpose, I appeared to you, he said to Saul, to be a witness of the things that you have seen and the things that I will yet reveal to you. We're that kind of gate. We've had visions. We've had dreams. We've had prophecies. Some that have not yet been fulfilled or accomplished. It's going to be like, this is what I saw. This is what I read. This is what I heard. This is what she said. This is the song that they, that's that, remember that prophetic song that came out that one night and somebody just, I'm, I'm, I'm paraphrasing, I'm not giving you a reference to something. And that song started coming out and started coming out. It's like that. Oh, this is like that. And the earth shone with its glory. The who? The earth. Shone. That's a difference from being filled. It's like there's illumination. There is revelation. Eyes were open. They could see. The light has come. Like the vision which I saw when I, listen to this, vision, uh, vision which I saw. Like the vision which I saw when I came to destroy the city. Oh my goodness. Well, what? What are you saying? Yeah, you see, there's a time, this place called Earth, like a time we're living in, 
that he's like, I'm done. It deserves destruction. Friends, I was telling the students this morning, Adam and Eve, in the very onset of relationship, the moment they sinned, realized they're naked. I'm not trying to get in anybody's business. But this world is becoming more and more unclothed every single day. How many of y'all went to Mardi Gras? And there's no shame whatsoever. Because we've learned to find a God we can live with our sin and be okay. But he said, when I came, as I was ready to destroy the city, the visions were like the vision which I saw by the river, Shabar, and I fell on my face, and the glory of the Lord came into the temple by the way of the gate which faces east, towards the east. Simple. Watch this. Ready to destroy, here comes the glory. What changed? Don't think we're done. Don't think it's over. The worst day is going to become the greatest day. Are you with me? We're, 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 we're hinged. Where, where's the difference between a gate? It's the thin line of what's coming in or what's going out, of inside or outside, destruction or glory. We're living in that moment, friends, where the earth should be destroyed. And I agree with that. But he's going to bring the glory. Man, if that don't get you excited, you might want to get saved. I'm just here to tell you. You think, well, what's this guy go do? I want to give you a little bit of what I do when I go someplace. Don't be comfortable in your complacency. We need to cry for the glory. We need to desire what he wants to do. We need to position ourselves for what he's going to do. He goes on, he says this. The spirit lifted me up and brought me into an inner court. And behold, the glory of the Lord filled the temple. Turn back to Luke chapter 7. When I stood in this parking lot, I told Elder Charlie this just a little while ago. I've never seen this before. I've never made the connection before. But when I stood in that parking lot, just so we even know what year it was, two thousand eight or two thousand nine, we'll find out. And I stood on the stage at Harvest Fest. And we turned down all the hot air balloons and stopped serving the hot dogs and the popcorn and the cotton candy. I said, can I have your attention, please? And I took a brief moment and I presented the gospel of Jesus Christ. 3,000 people would come into our parking lot. 3,000 people. First time ever in my life to that moment of preaching the gospel that I preached a salvation message and nobody got saved. Nobody even raised their hand. Some people didn't even stop eating their hot dog. Some people were waiting for the, the air to come back in the games. I was deflated myself. I felt dejected. 
I went over to the side where we parked the vans over there and I stood there and, and I felt like somebody had taken the wind out of my sails. Like I got punched in the upper, utter, an uppercut in the, in the, under the belt. I, everything was out of me. And the Lord spoke. He said, son, they may have taken the wind out of your sails, but they cannot take the breath out of your God. I will blow again. He said, but will you be there? And I said, well, I'll be here. Not long after that, what we're going to celebrate on March 26, I wasn't here anymore. I wasn't here. But I'm here. Here to stay. But listen to this. I'd never made this connection before. I was preaching evangelism, salvation at Harvest Fest. Where's he going to blow on the harvest? Oh, we want him to blow us around and hear and blow us around and hear and weep and cry and dance and shout. That's going to be the harvest. You need to hear me. This revival is not going to be about us. It's going to be about them. Your brother's going to get saved. Your sister's going to get saved. Your next door neighbor, your, your Gladys Crabtree is going to get saved. Bewitched is going to get saved. I don't know who you live next to or what lives around you, but I'm telling you, salvation is going to sweep through this area. But will we be here? That's our gate. That is our gate. It is that the glory would come and would lead us to the harvest, the winning of souls. He said, I will blow again. It said, when the Lord saw her, Jesus came to seek and to save that which was in a lost state. I'm asking you, open your eyes. The glory will give you revelation. The glory will give you compassion. The glory of God. And without the glory of God, you will not be like God. I don't care what you do. I don't care what you do. Jesus, anything Jesus did brought glory to God. You can't bring glory if you don't have glory. He's living for the glory of God. We, we need to not just do things in our strength, but do things in his power, in his presence. So when he saw her, he had compassion on her. I don't have time to take you to Matthew chapter 9, 35 through 38, 11, 28 through 30. You probably know those scriptures. He was moved with compassion. Moved with compassion. Ask God for compassion. Don't ask God for people to be compassionate to you. Ask God for compassion so if you consult compassion, compassion will come to you. It's just the kingdom. It's just the kingdom. Ask God. You say, God, if what he's saying is real, I want to be a part of it. We need to be a compassionate people. Jesus said, come unto me, all, not just some, not just one, all of you who are weary and heavy laden, You've over-labored, you're wore out, you're, you're, you're no good for anything. Come on, I'll take you. I'll take the weary and the laden, the heavy laden. That's what he's saying. He said, my yoke is easy, my burden is light. He had compassion for souls. I'm almost done. When the Lord saw her, he had compassion on her and said to her, we have got to learn to speak to those on the outside, on the other side of the gate. He's coming in, she's going out. 
contrary to one another, opposite direction. We've got to learn how to speak to them. I'm walking out of, I was at an event last Friday night in Chattanooga. It was a wedding. I, it was a black and white tie, is that what you call them? Formal, it's formal. I'm walking, I, I looked at Harvest. I looked at Harvest, I said, are you ready to go? She said, yes, sir. Oh, she was so obedient. Because I'm sure she wanted to stay a little bit longer. They hadn't done the, the, the dances yet. They hadn't done the, uh, the cake hadn't been served fully yet and all that kind of stuff. I said, I just knew it was time to go. But I knew I was talking to the harvest. So I walk out and I walk two blocks down. We decided not to drive over, but to walk. The weather is nice, but now it's breezy and cool. And we're walking over dressed to the 9.9s. And we are walking through and I see a homeless man standing there. Well, he thinks he's at a bus stop. There's no bus stop there. There is no bus stop there. Read the sign. There's no bus stop. Okay. And he's just standing there bewildered, lost, but I was looking for him. So what he doing? He said, the guy brought me for a temp job. He left. I didn't know he left. I've been standing here for two and a half hours. I live in Cleveland. He said, I, I can't get home. Nobody will answer their phone. My wife's in a nursing home. Da, 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 da. I said, just stay right here. Just stay right here. I said, I'll swing around and pick you up. He said, is there a church going on there? No, no, there's a wedding over there. Stay right here. We got in the car. When I turned around, he's still looking for somebody to come help him. He is that disoriented. I pull him. He's like, oh, yeah, that guy said he'd help me. He comes in and gets the car. He's not drunk. He's disoriented. He's lost. He has no direction, no possibility of getting home. He has someone at home that he loves. He's in a nursing home. He has someone he loves. Long story short, he gets in the vehicle in the front seat, harvest in the back seat. The harvest is weeping the whole way there. 40 minutes in that drive. And I'm just saying, Lord, thank you. I know what you're calling me to. You're calling us to the harvest. 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 This is his gateway to get home. He's driving. He's, it goes through his whole life story. She's weeping in the back. He's my age. He looks like my grandfather. Such a beaten, weathered, troubled life. Without me preaching or teaching, he starts confessing. He starts acknowledging. He starts realizing, I've got to get back with God. I haven't been right with God. I need to get back. I need to pray again. And all I kept saying is, this is the Lord taking you home. This is the Lord taking you home. Look what God is doing for you right now. Friends, there's people waiting for us, lost and disoriented, confused. Now, it might be you helping them get a job that helps get them to Jesus. It might be you helping get in them home that gets them back to Jesus. Don't just be the Jesus thumper. That's most likely why they're not in church. Most likely why they're not in church. Be the Jesus helper. Holy Spirit is a helper and a comforter. He teaches. He said, go teach people, train them to be disciples. I told you we're having 24-hour service, so hold on. He said, do not weep. Then he came and touched the open coffin. He came and touched I had one of the sweetest moments I have ever had in 35 years of ministry. Friends, I've been in extended revivals. There was a guy at the church that I just preached at. was the grandchild of the pastor that I preached for for nine weeks in Florence back in 1998. He said I was there every single night. That was not my sweetest moment. It's when they called and said, can you do a Saturday night and a Sunday morning? And then they called back and asked Hannah and said, can, can he do Sunday night also? I was ready for it because I wanted to do a Sunday night. I don't want to just sit in a hotel room. I'd rather be preaching. 
And then they called up again and said, can he, by chance, it's a strain, can, on his way into the main church, can he go into the children's church and just say something to him or do something? I'm above that, man. Wait, no. I'm like, yes. If there's hunger, something's going to happen. Sweetest time. They had an outreach. We don't have one, but, but they had one. Hint. They had an outreach that I could tell half of the students, children, were members of the church. The other half was members of the city, certain neighborhoods of the city. And when I started walking, I got it. I don't, I don't know what I'm going to say yet. I have no idea. And then I went to the thing where Jesus said, suffer the little children to come unto me. But that's not all it says. He let them come close, and then he said he touched them. And I went down that aisle, and I touched there. And the moment I got to him, a prophetic word came over him. Another one. They would stand up, Pastor Matt. They would stand there, and all of a sudden, they start hugging me like I was their daddy and just hold on to my leg and rock with me. And some of them would walk and just stand there like this, just like they're beggars, like they're blind beggars waiting for somebody to touch them. We're going to touch a city. We're not just going to say, well, I see what's wrong with this city. and I see what this city needs. If you see it, do it. If you see it, do it. I don't want to hear another gripe or complain about our city, about our government, or even about our nation. Because if you know so much, get off your duff and get up and do your stuff. Amen? Are you with me? Touch them. Touch them. I did not want to leave Children's Church. It was the sweetest, richest, fullest situation. Jesus touched the open coffin. You know what? An open coffin probably isn't the open door you've been praying for. I don't want an open door to dead things. I want an open door of revival. I want to open a door of a, right? <laughs> open doors may not look like what you're thinking like. But I'm here to tell you, that dead boy needed that man walking in that gate. Amen? Don't you think that when the disciples saw him do that, something inside us, I want to do that one day. I want to be like that one day, right? That's what we're going to be like. That's what we're going to be like. I didn't ask for you. And those who carried him stood still. Jonah has an amazing sense of humor. He knows. Listen, we're building memories. Don't play that thing yet. <laughs> Y'all distracted me. Hold on now. Notice this next line. You've got to find the kingdom things in Scripture. And the people who carried the coffin stood still. Be still and know that I'm God. Let me tell you who was there. God was there. God was there. Emmanuel. God's right here. He's with you. That's why I stopped and said, if there's anybody in here sick, raise your hand and let the people around you pray. God's on you. God's in you. 
they're respecting the anointing. The interruption is getting ready to be an eruption of life. Listen to what he said. And I'll finish. I just have two verses left. He said, young man, I say to you, arise. I don't have time to break all this down, but notice Jesus is at best, at most, 33 years old. So the guy's 32 or 31 or 30 or younger. It's a younger generation. God is moving upon a younger generation right now. He's just looking for other people to say, rise up. Take your stand. It's your turn. I believe in you. Oh, oh that, 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 that children's worker would say, hey, can, can the guest speaker stop in the children's church and just pray for them? Rise up, young man. Rise up. God is trying to awaken a younger generation. God is trying to resurrect them. This, this is beyond, the power is beyond just revival. It's a resurrection from the dead. He said, rise up, young man. I say to you, rise up. So he who was dead, that's telling you he's not dead anymore, sat up and began to speak. He's calling a prophetic generation of sons and daughters to rise up, and immediately he speaks. Immediately he speaks. First thing he does is speak. Why? There was so much life in him, his tongue had to loose it. His tongue became a river of living water. Not only is Jesus speaking anymore, this guy's speaking. We're going to raise up a generation of sons and daughters that a river flows out of them. They're going to live and not die. They're going to be uh, resurrected and filled with power, and they're going to speak the word. Your sons and daughters are going to come back. And he presented him to his mother. Then fear came upon all of them. I think Pastor Spencer in his message this morning, uh, Sunday morning, talked about fear coming upon reverence. Wouldn't that be something? It's not like fear. It's like, oh, my God, it's God's here. At least the pallbearers kind of knew it, you know, in the moment when he touched the coffin. That's how much anointing was in Jesus. When he touched that coffin, they could feel it come through the fibers of that wood. I'm surprised the tree didn't come back to life. Could have. Come on, somebody. Fear came upon reverence. Could you imagine if all of us had reverence for God and they glorified God? This is really important. They didn't glorify pastor, prophet, evangelist, teacher, man, or woman. They glorified God. All that's standing there, this is how, listen, you're saying, how did you pick out a scripture? You're going to go study it down? All you have to do is read it. Yeah. Yeah. They glorified God because, like I said, God was there. Yeah. They give Jesus the credit. He is God, but all he does is glorify God. And they glorify God. Some people glorify their theology. Some people glorify their, their doctrinal position. Some people, you're glorifying the wrong thing. You want the presence of God there. Nothing should get the glory but God. This is interesting. A great prophet has risen up among us. God, now there's a prophet. It comes in order. It comes in proper order. Watch this. A great prophet has risen up among us. They're speaking about Jesus 
But Jesus just raised up one himself. <laughs> you got to get this. Jesus just raised up the young man who began to speak. And they're saying, glory to God. I mean, they're not, they're not, they don't have a whole lot of depth or knowledge. There's a crowd around him celebrating him. And they said, there's been a great prophet raised up against us. And Jesus' whole ministry is to be who he is, a voice of God, and to bring up another generation to be that. I hope you can get this. He's going to raise up a prophetic generation right here. And the report went about him throughout all of Judea, Judea and all the surrounding region. We're a regional church. It's going to spread. Stand your feet. Jonah, you can play, bud. Play whatever you want. No. Thank you. Not for giving me time, but for giving God time. I hope you comprehend and understand. hope he's stirring a passion inside of you if you need revival I hope you're experiencing revival friends you, you need to understand once you get revival you need to be revival not just stay in it be it be one that brings it amen revival is resuscitation once you're resuscitated, you don't keep going back and saying, breathe on me, breathe on me, breathe in me, breathe in me, right? You start walking it out. I'm all for the move of God. We just need to know who we are, why we are, what we're here for. I want the glory of God to come to this house. Amen. I trust that you are encouraged and inspired by the word of God today. Once again, I want to say thank you for joining us on this podcast. It's very important that after you receive the Word of God to make sure it gets sealed in your heart. I'd like to do that with you. I'd like to pray with you that we could tuck it away in our hearts and that we let the Word of God have free course, move swiftly in us, and it would glorify God. You know, the Word of God is a seed. You can expect results out of it. You can expect fruit out of it. You can expect something to be produced. Again, I'm so thankful that you joined us. Now allow me just a moment to pray with you. Father God, we come to you in the wonderful name of Jesus, the Word of God himself. And I thank you for the Word that has been heard. I thank you for the Word that has been received. And Lord, now I ask that it gets covered up and it gets protected and locked and lodged in our hearts, Lord. And Father, I pray that you would water it. I pray that you would nurture it, that you would bring the light and revelation that it needs. And I pray that it produce good fruit in each and every heart that has received it today. I ask this in Jesus' name. I do this at the end of every service at the church. I want to do it with you. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord cause his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you. And may the Lord find great delight in you. And may you find great joy in him. May the Lord provide for you. May the Lord protect you. And may the Lord give you peace, peace. God bless you. Thanks for joining us.